This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chas Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Tim Edwards has finished his tenure at Tickford Racing and is in America for the wind tunnel testing of the Chevrolet and the Mustang. Today, we hear about his time as the head of Tickford. I have also been on the commission for over a decade and prior to that on the board for four years plus four, six years on the board of motorcycle in Australia. So I've had a lot to do with the administrative side of the sport. Tim Edwards talking straight as always here on Inside Supercars. And it starts now. Welcome to Inside Supercars. We're actually saying farewell to somebody. We're not saying anything but farewell to them. But uh, Tim Edwards, who's been at Tickford Racing since since 27th of March 2005. Wow, wow. Embraced, embraced and engraved in your memory. Uh, the reason I remember it so, so uh, accurately is uh, Rod Barrett, who joined the same day as me. Back so originally when I started, um, I started as a motorsport director and he started as a commercial director. And so we shared the, we shared the, uh, the steering wheel and he mentioned it so many times about 27th of March 2005 and um, and so yes that's why I remember the date and then uh, after two years he jumped ship and left me on my own. <laughs> right well you've been through name changes for the team, the organisation, the structure, an enormous amount in your owners. time. Owners, changed owners. owners. owners yeah. um, it's obviously been an enjoyable ride because you have a long history in motorsport though. Yeah, 36 years I think, so yeah, 19, this is my 19th season here, but yeah, obviously I did 17 years in the UK, well... Um, Not in uh, one, one particular establishment though, you were uh, number. Four, 14 years at Jordan and then three years of um, World Sports Cars before that and Le Mans 24 Hour, so 88, 89, 90, uh, it was sports cars and then I started at Jordan at the beginning of 91 when they debuted that beautiful 7-Up Jordan. Okay. Oh, it was a wonderful looking car, but absolutely. one of the best looking F1 cars of all time. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, we're now in the era, of course, you actually don't, you have to use the identification of the colours to know which car it is, because they all look so much the bloody same. Well, yeah, they were different back then. Interestingly, if you actually trawl the garages in this pit lane, you will find the Jordan logo still oh, painted on the ground. I saw it last year, someone showed me a photo of it 12 months ago, so it's still etched on the ground, I can't remember what it was, I think it was the Sassol Jordan logo, it's painted on the floor still, I mean it's obviously, it's had 20 years of weathering, but um, or more. But I, I vividly remember when the first one happened in the Adelaide 500 uh, structure, and I remember only the marks where they've been, and seeing the McLaren, the Ferrari, etc, Williams, it was a wonderful moment. Um, speaking of those wonderful moments, can we go back to who actually um, interviewed you and employed you? Who said, we want you to come and work with us? 
at, at FPR? Yeah. Dave Richards. I was sitting at my desk at the Commonwealth Games because obviously I'd decided after my 17 years that, you know, I had a young family and I wanted a break from motorsport. So Ron Walker kindly set me up with a job at the Commonwealth Games as a special advisor. And that was 12 months out from the, from the Games. And uh, sitting there minding my own business, probably not happy with life because I wasn't involved in motorsport. And, uh, and my phone rang and it was Dave Richards, who I knew from obviously Formula One days because he was involved with, well, Benetton and, you know, he was kind of, even though he didn't have his own team, he was sort of, he was actively involved in Formula One. And uh, he said, uh, we need to have breakfast tomorrow, Tim. So I went home and told Trudy, I'm having breakfast with DR tomorrow. And everybody knows what that means when someone invites you to breakfast. And uh, yeah, he proceeded to try and convince me to run this team. So. So it was, the, it was the man at the top. And so there's no truth in the rumour that your plan was to go back to the Commonwealth Games and finish that job, but uh, it got pulled out from under you, so you're going to have to be the head of motorsport. Uh, no, that's right. No, I was not going back to the Commonwealth Games. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I mean, it was interesting, my time there. I was in, They had test events while I was there, and there was the Commonwealth Shooting Federation Championships and lawn bowls and things that I knew nothing about, but I knew about fixing issues, and so... It was, uh, it was an interesting three and a half months, and uh, I know that the ro- bowling greens have to roll at a certain speed, which I didn't know beforehand, and if you over-sow the green, it rolls slow, and then you have to replace the green. And then you've got to get the council, Vic Sport and Rec, the Commonwealth Games, the actual Lawn Bowls Club, all in a room, to bang heads to say, well, who's going to pay for this, the, the green to be re-sown? So, um, that yeah. sounds just like motorsport. Who's going to pay? Yeah, politics. That was an extreme case of politics, and it was politics. Yeah. What has been your career highlight with what is now Tickford Racing? You know what? Quite a few people have asked me that, and I don't think I have one. I mean, there's the memorable ones like winning your first Bathurst is an amazing feat. Winning a second one is pretty cool as well. <laughs> winning a championship. You know, there's memorable races like that 2012 Perth race, you know, that gets replayed every year, you know, the have him, have him off, you know, race, you know, where we went into the last lap in first and third and finished first and second. Um, so this, look, there's, been, there's been so many. And, you know, interestingly, when I looked at Cam's helmet, uh, you know, and all the stats that, it, that, you know, obviously they've made a special helmet for me and it's got the number of races and the number of podiums and the number of wins and you got, holy shit, I've done 600 odd races. I've had, you know, 80 odd wins, I've had 200 and something podiums, so it's actually, you go, shit, it's nice to be reminded of that. One of the things that I imagine that you as the man who's leaving the building sort of um, must be so encouraged by is the fact winning a race in the last, in a couple of rounds in particular, having that speed back again, seeing both Cam and Thomas and doing so well, because that's something that you, you aim for is to have fast cars. Yeah, 100%, and it's been a bloody tough year. You know, the birth of Gen 3, you know, there's no, nobody's shying away from the fact that it was a difficult birth. Um, and, you know, the... the you know, this a few months in ICU. And it's had a few months in ICU, but you know what? The racing is still bloody fantastic. You come to this event, this event's half the reason I ended up back in motorsport, because while DR was trying to convince me to run his business, I kind of went to the factory and saw the ingredients there, but I came here as a as a stand in the back of the garage in civvies, get a feel for it. But I quickly fell in love with the sport and obviously this particular venue has great memories for me anyway from my Formula One days. And it's half the reason I ended up back in the sport because the team, the sport, 
the, the venue. I got re-enthused about motorsport. A conversation I had with Trudy earlier today, your wife, um, uh, about the, the cancelling of the caravan. Um, <laughs> there was a certain amount of grief and aggravation there. Well, yeah, everyone says, oh, you had this planned all along. Well, I'll give you the tip. Andrew Crank, the CEO of Snowy, uh, when, he, when he heard the news on, Trude, on Tuesday, messaged me and said, oh, I guess you don't want that caravan. And I was like, no. Nah. He said, well, we'll talk about it on the weekend. And uh, it was due in December. And uh, unfortunately, he had a surprise for me this weekend. He'd managed to bring it forward. It's ready now. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, that was a little bit awkward. But I think we're going to do a photo of me standing in front of it with a for sale sign and uh, one owner never used. <laughs> Perhaps it could be a, a, once the uh, cost of it's covered, a nice little charity earner. Yeah, well, uh, I think Andrew's going to sell it himself. I don't think. He'll, I mean, they got a they got a six to nine month order book, so I'm sure he'll be able to shift it. But yeah, timing wasn't great. That yeah, all of a sudden my caravan was ready. So yeah, for anybody who thinks that this was Plan A, Plan A was caravanning around Australia. You talked about 80-odd wins and all those highlights that are too numerous to mention. What about the tough times and what about going through those tough times and what did you learn about yourself during those times? Oh, I don't know what I learned about myself. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty old and thick-skinned and yeah, people throw stones at you and put darts in your back. So, you know, I was joking with Shane Howard saying, well, you need to make a special shirt for me next year, a white shirt with a target on the back. So I'm used to people throwing darts at me, and uh, and and I don't care if they stick in my back or not. You just keep you keep moving forward, and that's all you can do. And uh, you know, unfortunately, the tough times happen, and whether they're driven by finances or driver quality or car preparation or or car setup or the million different things that go into influence and the the you know the outcome of your of your performance. But you just got to put your head down and and keep driving forward that's all you can do you know don't put your head in your hands because they won't achieve anything just keep looking forward and have you ever done a sort of a sheriff's job so to speak which you're now moving into no of course not um i've been 36 years pigeonholed in a in, in my garage so next year will be quite an interesting thing when i can just walk in and out of everyone's garage sticking my head under their car you know staring at their data and standing next to them like like and, and they'll be like i reckon it'll be as awkward for them as it is for me initially because yeah you just it's just not something you do when you're on on the competitive side of the ledger however I have also been on the commission for over a decade and prior to that on the board for four years, plus four, six years on the board of motorcycle in Australia. So I've had a lot to do with the administrative side of the sport and I've made plenty of decisions in all of those um, roles where, you know, I get back to work at, at, at Tickford and they say, why on earth did you vote for that? Because you have to take your team hat off in that environment. You have to think about what's good for the sport. And so I think I've always had the ability to actually think about what's best for the sport and um, it's probably why I got voted back so many times you know every I never lobbied for votes to stay on the board or the commission I literally said you blokes want me there I'll be there I mean other people would ring round and you know bloody try and buy themselves votes never did that once you want me to be there I'll be there and I think the reason people voted me there time and time again is because I do put a very impartial hat on when I'm in that environment and I can separate myself from what's good for for Tickford you know in these those previous roles and what's good for the sport it would seem pretty obvious that um, your incentive to go to work to pull your boots on each day and go off to work will be to make 
this category stronger even further in the future. Because um, you're not going to be chasing a win because they're not there anymore for you. No. So what will be the incentive, the win situation for you? Well, I'm passionate about motorsport and I'm passionate about this category. You know, I love supercars. You know, it's such a great category and, yeah, it gets plenty of stones thrown at it when things aren't quite right. But And they haven't been quite right this year. But, you know, we, we kind of found ourselves with a completely new car for the first time ever in the sport because even... Car of the Future in 2013 wasn't a completely new car. We still had our own engine program, we still had our own front suspension, and so this is the first time we, we've given birth to a completely new car. And the other thing is, we've also found ourselves in a situation where the parity was a much wider window in the past because there were so many differences with the cars, because you had three different Ford engine manufacturers or two or three different GM engine manufacturers, because the DJR car had a different front suspension to the Triple Eight car and the Tickford car and the Walkinshaw car. So you had a much wider parity window because there were so many team specific differences between the cars. So I think it's caught everybody off guard this year, the you know the fact that parity has now, you know, does need to be uh, put more under the microscope. So it's been a tough year, but you know, I've seen plenty of tough years for different reasons in the past. So and the, the good thing is you know, Adrian and his team have put a lot of plans in place for next year, starting with the wind tunnel test in a couple of weeks' time. And, you know, there's all these different engine things that are, that are in the pipeworks as well. So there's a lot of plans in place for, for trying to hone in on, um, uh, you know, on, um, on the issues that we've got. But, you know, I think we've got to the end of the year. Yep, we've had some turmoil and some parity issues, but I think it's been a lot closer at the end of the year, you know, with, between the cars. And so, you know, we're trending in the right direction. Where do you want the sport to get to? And how does your role facilitate that? Because you're going to be one cog in a much bigger machine, whereas your direct decisions here were automatically setting the path. Oh, it'll be different for me because I'll be part of a, t a team of people that are setting the course. but. You know, I, I'm not too proud. I mean, I'll have my opinion and I'll share that opinion. And if it's not agreed by my peers, then we won't be doing it. But, you know, I'm, you know, I am passionate about the sport and I have got a lot of experience. And so hopefully, at least some of the time, I hope they listen to me. But it's, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it is going to be different. It, it, you know, I'm not the top of the tree. You know, I, I'll have to, you know, I, I mean, but I'm also looking forward to the fact that my responsibility is really the technical and sporting side of, of, the, of the business and I don't have to stress about the financial side and the, finding the sponsorship side and all the IT side and all the me and other things that I do at the moment that, I mean, coming to the races and the, you know, the, the technical and sporting stuff is a bit I actually enjoy. During the, you know, when I leave an event and go back to the workshop until I come to the next event, 99.9999% of my time is not focused on on any of that, it's running a business. It's it's doing the financials. It's bloody it's dealing with sponsors, dealing with creditors, dealing with all those other business things. You know, putting new IT systems in place or whatever it is, all the bits that aren't motor racing. Yeah. And so, I'm actually looking forward to this new role because I can just actually focus on the bit that I'm probably better skilled at anyway, and I'm probably more passionate about. Were you getting tired and jaded and in this role? 100%. That's why I decided it was time to, you know, when you ever find yourself in a position where it feels like Groundhog Day, 
um, for me, you know, you need to think about well, what next. I need to, I do need to think about what next for Tim. What's 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 healthy for Tim to be doing? And what did you actually think that was going to be? It was buying a caravan and going around Australia for six months. Yeah, but six months, you got a lot of time left no, no, in you. No, no, no. Well, I mean, I was always coming back to work. You know, I'm not set up to, to retire yet, um, so I was always coming back to work. It's just, and that's part of the, what happened here. You know, it was like, well, in six to eight months' time, I'm going to be looking for work. This role's not going to be there in six to eight months. Well, do we have to realign our plans? All right, well, Tim Edwards, thank you very much for your time today, but thank you also for the 19 years you've been steering this Air Ford ship. It's been wonderful to see the way in which you've built this team, and uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you in your new role and talking to you when you're putting on that uh, black hat, shall we say. No black hats. I'm still friends with people. <laughs> Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device, search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.